everyone. Welcome back to the Yona Pod. It is I, Evan, friend to the Yonaverse, as always joined by my lovely co-host. And friend to you. Uh, I'm Alex. That was supposed to be a cooler segue, but it didn't work. No, that one was one of your smoother ones. (laughs) Okay. Well, great. (laughs) I love all of yours, but that one was like... Thank you. Then I'll keep it. I won't cut it. Excellent. So here we are to talk about the next couple of chapters on our Yona reread. But before we get into that, did you have any general anime, life, manga, general fiction, or anything news that you wanted to share? No, I don't think I'm going to have any of those (laughs) soon. Um, I am attempting to do NaNoWriMo, which is that you write 50,000 words or, you know, quote unquote, a novel, which it's a little too short to be a novel, but that's pedantic, uh, in the month of November. National November Writing Month. The National November Writing Month, yes. So by the time this comes out, it'll be halfway through. So I will probably not be doing it anymore by the time this episode comes out. But the idea is to write about... 1700 words a day and then you'll take care of it which is not too bad so i will be doing that after this uh which means i have a little less time to just kind of fuck around and also i have committed to heaven officials blessing which is four books long and they're very easy to get through but i am a slow reader and i'm almost done with book one so that'll probably take all of november gotcha so that's what i got lined up what about you um kind of just figuring things out i'm uh well job wise i think i'm I'm pretty well settled uh so now i'm trying to catch up on things i am getting caught up with under the oak tree because i missed like just between vacationing and everything i missed like 10 episodes that's so fucking wild to me (laughs) those updates come so fast so fast that twice a week they're twice a week that's how (laughs) yeah um it's wild because it's like they solved the big battle thing but like shit Mm -hmm. is now like political shit is happening and i'm just Mm -hmm. like you are gonna end this right like you know my (laughs) uncle has some like Chinese novel that he's reading online and it like releases once a week and mm-hmm. we're talking literal like thousands of chapters and and he's like I'm like is it even still good he's like yeah it's not as good but yeah it's still decent and like and also at this point I've inv- invested so much time like right yeah so I'm hoping under the oak tree doesn't become that and I hope it does eventually reach completion <laughs> so I can be free um i'm gonna catch up on netflix stuff i still need to figure out my hulu situation Uh, (laughs) right yeah i don't think you talked about it on the podcast but (laughs) she was telling uh me and one of our other friends oh um, who's been on the podcast yeah uh so we all did like virtual brunch together and it's very fun um and she was like yeah i keep trying to sign up for hulu and they're like no no you you cannot yeah, so i had hulu i had it bundled with my spotify premium and they randomly decided i guess hey that's only going to be available to students 
Mm -hmm. So my Hulu was disconnected. So I was like, that's fine. I will get rid of two of the subscriptions that I'm not really using uh, and get Hulu. And I go to sign up or I go to put in my password login and it was like, "Mm, you need a new password. So you can only have one password across the Disney family of companies because Hulu's often bundled with Disney plus and ESPN and some other thing. Uh, so I tried to reset the password and it said, you are not eligible for Hulu at this time. And I was like, excuse me. And I was like, well, maybe it's because about the bundle. I don't want a bundle. I just want Hulu. So I go to the thing that's like, get Hulu only. I go to set up a new account. And then it was like, this password's already been used within the family, (laughs) uh, the Disney family of companies. And it's like, no shit, because I fucking had Hulu already. (laughs) I am trying to give you money, Hulu. And you will not let me. That's the wildest part. It's just like, we don't actually need any more customers. That's we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually one of my favorite subscriptions. <laughs> so I need to get that sorted. Yeah, my dad got rid of Netflix, but that's okay. My uncle's like, you can use mine. Oh, and I can also use his Paramount Plus, which he does. he's like, yeah, I don't use it. I was like, well, why don't you get rid of it? He's like, mm, I've already paid for the year. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. That's but kind that's- of how I feel about High Dive. <laughs> I I signed up for Chihayafuru and then like basically don't watch anything on it. Which is why I was okay letting stuff go for um for uh whatchamacallit for, for Hulu because I was like I'm not using Apple TV because I only yeah. got Apple TV for Ted Lasso and who knows when the next season of that will be. And then I'm not mm-hmm. currently using my Manta subscription. So I should probably let that go, at least for a little bit. (sighs) But Hulu doesn't want my ass, apparently. So (laughs) (laughs) Hulu said, no, we're good. Yeah. So we will will find out uh, on the next pod if I was successful, because it's on my to-do list this week to call their customers. You could always just, you know, sail the seven seas and pirate everything. Uh, I could. (laughs) That just feels like effort. But who knows? So yeah, that's the only uh, update I had. Uh, no new media. I've also got books to finish. Like I'm, I'm like midway through a couple books, and I need to hurry up and yeah, get through. Um, I know I'm so, so but- close to the end of book one. I, I am on page three forty three of three seventy. Oh, you're really close. Yes. You bought all four books, right? There are four released now. I think there's going to be five total. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a visual, so I'm very sorry. But here's the lesbians I was trying to tell you about. The evil lesbians. Oh, they're gorgeous. Yeah. They're gorgeous, right? I don't know if they're really lesbians, but they are in my mind. (laughs) Always make it gay when you can. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that. Um, Are we ready now to dive into our latest chapters of Yona? Okay. Let's dive into the lack of lesbians here because there are too many dudes. Yes. Well, the, to begin with, we're in a new volume and the cover could be a case for lesbians. Um, Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. At one point in my notes, I do say no wonder the lesbians are obsessed with Corinne. (laughs) that was me too that was me at the beginning here i said an injured corinne leans on yona a tired smile on the former's face corinne stunning in color by the way 
She is. She looks really good. They, yeah, like all bloodied. It's it's very much like an aesthetic, and I'm very yes. into it. I love it. Yeah, so it's a really good cover and <laughs> lesbian adjacent at the very least. Um, <laughs> you also get the inside art, which is Gija cuddling a kitty. So mm. very cute. And then more gays. The chapter cover uh, deeply supports the Gija Jiha agenda <laughs> fair enough yes Gija's dragon hand is grabbing Jiha's dragon foot and Gija looks amazed and Jiha just looks super annoyed it's fantastic <laughs> and they're both in like pajama looking robes um, yeah so they're just about two bros <laughs> spending the night together yes i do have to wonder if that is canon though because like canonically jihad's really weird about people seeing his foot so yes that was my thought so he's comfortable yeah so he's now comfortable with geisha yeah maybe he's like the only way that geisha will let me smash is if i give him something like this <laughs> oh, no. i will be vulnerable and then we'll just take off more clothes <laughs> I have, to take off my, I have to take off my pants to show you my foot. <laughs> oh, no. Gisha has a foot fetish. What's that? I said, oh, no, like Gisha has a foot fetish. No, no. No, I was just thinking of Jiha taking it too far and being like, I have to disrobe completely to show you this. Oh, one yeah. Absolutely. Gisha with a foot fetish would be fascinating. I think it's just people. <laughs> okay, we should get into each there. That's not something I want to explore. <laughs> but yeah, so fun, fun art. And then we even get more art because um Kusanagi gives us rejected concept sketches for the cover. So there's one of just Corinne, and then there's the one of similar to what we actually get, but it's Yona and Corinne looking head on at the at the camera if you will and they've both got these like piss determined faces that also would have been a good cover but yeah with that we can finally get into the story itself and this is chapter 147 awe so everyone is stunned at the new dragon power they just witnessed except for the dragons themselves who are past the fuck out uh because they just unleashed this this huge power heavily well while heavily injured most of them or otherwise incapacitated so Gobi is about ready to cream himself over this <laughs> and he's just yeah. overwhelmed with envy uh at suwan who he wrongly assumes controls this divine power uh, and he's also a bit overwhelmed with how long his evil to-do list is which is kind of funny Mm -hmm. he's just like god i've got to take over shing and i've got to kill corinne and i've got to get the dragons for myself there's just so much to do um okay i have a lot to say about this scene <laughs> going along with his like list of things to do one of those points is that he wants to marry Tao off to Suwan. And if mm -hmm. Suwan is already involved with Yona, then that's just going to throw all of his shipping plans off. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, I forgot girl. about that. Because he does want to, he's like, I don't know what her relationship is with Suwan. And then he's like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, he's 
exactly. Right. It's so weird. It's it cracks me up. I totally forgot about this, but rereading is this is like the craziest thing to me. <laughs> it's just like he's very set on this. Um and then also, uh, so the fact that he assumes that dragons are being controlled by Suwon plays into this running theme of everyone underestimating Yona before they know her. And mm-hmm. on top of that, he continues the theme that everyone who wants power assumes the dragons are things to be controlled rather than people. Yes. So like Yona's basically the only one throughout the story with any semblance of power who refuses to use them as tools. Everybody yes. else is like their immediate thought is, "Can I use it?" Well, except for Suwon. <laughs> Suwon's like, "No, I don't want to use you," but he uses other people. So, like, yeah, and his I think also stems a lot more from the stubbornness of being like rejecting the religion that he grew up with, which we get more into later. Yeah, yeah, um, he's definitely not anti-using people. He's just anti-using the gods for anything. Which yes. makes sense for his character. But yeah, like everybody everybody uses people except for Yona, who's like, will you yes. please? Do and us? then we do get into that more um, in these chapters. We do. Um, this sets that up nicely. Yes. Um, also, you pointed out last episode, I think it was last episode, either that one or the one before, about like Gobi's being drawn in a way that really points him out as like, you know, he's he, likening him to a shadow and stuff. And oh, yeah. I agreed with that fully, but this was the first time I noticed that there are like tendrils at the bottom of his cloak. And I think it really enforces I haven't noticed that. I'll have to go yeah, back. Yeah, they're really gross looking. Like they're just like these little, <laughs> I guess, like frayed fabric or whatever. But it really adds to the idea of him being this like ominous shadow, um, mm-hmm. which is great because he's creepy as fuck. Um, also side note, uh, based on Kusanagi's side note, but she started writing this manga in her twenties. Yeah. Like, which is wild <laughs> to think which about. Is wild. She started uh, so young. I feel like manga artists start so young. It's fascinating. Yeah. So that's wild. And it, and it's this good. And it's this good. So <laughs> upsetting. Uh, you I ever know. just read something and you're like god damn you have so much talent <laughs> yes and it's like what am i doing what am i doing exactly i try not oh. to like say that out loud because you shouldn't be down on yourself and it's all just putting like someone else in a weird position but yeah sometimes it's hard like sometimes it's nice to read stuff and be like i'm so like inspired by this and i want to create something this good and i do that with yoda most of the time but sometimes i'm like oh i will never create something this good <laughs> <laughs> you know what we're saying yeah so like kusanagi again (sighs) yeah i did notice i don't know if it's this side panel or the next one but she talks about meeting people who are over 30 and still buying the um how to you make comics and she's like don't worry there are others (laughs) there are many of us who are over 30 and still enjoy this series and i'm like oh as we both just turned 30 this year like (laughs) that means a lot (laughs) it does yeah ah so fantastic um, back to the story, Yoon is worried for the dragons, but the Xing residents have started crowding around them and picking them up. They won't listen to entreaties to leave the dragons alone because 
as we've talked about, they see them not as people, they see them as an unfair advantage primarily that Coca has. Mm-hmm. And the way they're beginning to just lug the unconscious dragons off really emphasizes that they see them as objects and possessions and not people. And they're not realizing also that the powers really are tied to Coca because they were like, you know, how do we believe y'all's origin story anyway? Y'all don't deserve this. Um, and so they don't realize that the powers really are tied to Coca and they think they can basically just say finders keepers and take hold of these guys. Mm-hmm. And Gobi, meanwhile, is revising his scheme, uh, because this is kind of playing into what he wants to do with the dragons. So he's thinking that he'll have the advantage against Suan if he has the dragons on his side. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's like, wow, I don't even have to like grovel to this guy anymore. I can come as like an equal or if not higher player than this king that I've been trying to curry favor with. Yeah. Wait, okay, so I waited too long to jump in on this. <laughs> and I apologize because I thought this came up later. But you mentioned them being treated like animals, and I have that note uh too. I wonder, do they say that explicitly? in the chapter i don't know that they do but they are they're just grabbing them they are they they really do so i like that we both came to this like this conclusion that they're being treated like animals um uh and the thing that made me notice it was that they loop ropes around their neck and are like going Uh to drag them off and i'm like i get the like animal imagery but like these are people who will die when you kill them like except for Zeno <laughs> if you tug yeah. them by their necks behind you they're going to eventually like suffocate and die yeah I don't know also, like they're like bleeding and pass the fuck out like clearly they're not well clearly they're not well yes so yeah, they so like the do not see these people as people yeah it's it's gross it's upsetting um, yeah so Yoon steps in trying to stop the soldiers from taking the dragons away. And he's understandably upset at the way they're being, being treated and also thinking of their injuries. Cause he's like, mm-hmm. God, they're already in bad shape. What must have, what, ju- what must have this power have done when they were already zapped, you know? Um, but he basically almost gets pummeled by a soldier for trying to intervene and this is when Hawk steps in and Hawk, our boy Hawk is having none of this shit. Uh, he immediately pushes Yoon to safety. Uh, he puts uh, Jiha and, uh, you know, he full, fills one arm with Jiha and another with Gija and he mm-hmm. starts walking away and the soldiers accuse him of stealing uh, and start pulling at the dragons. You know, they're like pulling at Jiha's hair and his head and tugging at him. And they're trying to hide Zeno and Sheena, you know, who Hawk can't carry. Mm-hmm. And as Hawk fights his way through these disgusting grabby hands, the art here is really perfect because it's it's just him walking away from these disembodied dark hands. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, he's thinking of the dragons and Yona and their, I guess you could say their magnanimity uh, and wondering how they do it because, you know, they've they've gone through so much um, and have every reason to hate and choose not to or choose um, non-aggression when possible. Uh, and he's wondering how they do it because he's angry and it makes him want to kill these soldiers 
and Suwan, and as he says it, uh, everyone who's ever harmed people I cherish. I love this, and I love him. I love that he's still struggling with this. So, like, for all intents and purposes, he started to move on and, like, is making an effort to reconcile that Suwan betrayed him and like move on from it and try and like figure out why he did that but at the same time he's still so angry (laughs) and like it's it's a good character arc for him because it's not over yet and it's the same thing like it was handled really well with Yona too where she's like not quite over it but she's a little more over it than he is but Uh it's still like it's not just like a a flip a switch is flipped and he's over it he's still yeah. working through all of that and sometimes it will come up in the weirdest ways and like uh, yeah so he he uses aggression and anger and like violence as his way of coping with things so of course when things get hard like he's gonna turn to that and then he's he has to like stop and go back and like like be patient which is kind of the theme of this arc that we started back with like the dragons not being able to act uh everybody sort of has to just like stop and wait and it's it's, like really hard for everybody which makes sense um but it's good for them so yeah instead of just using his fists to uh punch through everybody uh he has to stop and actually use his brain and emotions and um that is good for him but also very hard and i think it's a yeah. really interesting aspect of his character that we have yet to really sit with all that long mm-hmm. like we're we're starting to get it more and more but yeah i don't know if any of that made sense <laughs> no it did okay not for sure uh so in story this is when algira and vold step in they you know cut the dragon's bonds and assist hawk uh, to the Qing soldier's shock, uh, because, you know, similar to how Yoon is when providing medical care, they're going to do the right thing regardless. So even though they're technically part of this anti-war faction, they're going to help Hawk and his friends because Hawk and his friends have helped them. Uh, so they, they tell Hawk and everybody to leave and let them deal with this domestic dispute, they label it. Uh, they also call Gobi out on murdering murdering Naguro and possibly Yotaka. And Gobi, of course, tries to play dumb. And then Tao calls him out too, saying he's not anti-war, but a demon who plants a sickness in other people's minds. Get his ass, Tao. Yes. And then Gobi tries to tell Tao the audacity of man. He tries to tell <laughs> Tao that her words are basically irrelevant, that she has no reach. And then Yona, girl solidarity right here, steps forward and declares like, actually, no, she's reached me. And I'm going to tell my people. So. (laughs) Uh, Such a cheer moment. I also called that out. Yeah, I just love that she's like, "Mm, actually, Gobi, that's not true. (laughs) Yes, get fucked. (laughs) So, yeah. She affirms that, you know, I'm going to spread these words to my people. And in fact, there's going to be a peace summit. 
So Gobi's trying to switch gears again. He's trying to weasel his way into these talks. Again, tries to discredit Corinne because obviously he doesn't want her attending. He he would like to attend in her stead. And so he's trying to discredit her again. And he's trying again to carry out her execution. And then you get this, what I thought was a wicked cool scene where she just goes, watch your head. And as he stands there confused, boom, Mazari is there. Cutting yes. down the Gobi minions who are pointing weapons at Karen. Yeah, I also thought that was a super cool intro. It was just her being like, "Watch your head," and then him being like, "What?" And then, yeah, and, and then, then Mazari, exactly. yeah, and then Mazari asks her how she knew he was there, and she says, "Your silent step and murderous aura are quite unique." <laughs> I also called out that line because it made me laugh. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. Uh, yeah, so lots of good stuff happening here. Um, so Mazari, who's still heavily wounded, tells Corinne, you know, he's just bleeding everywhere, but still going. Uh, he tells Corinne that he promised Naguro that he'd protect her, you know, take out all her enemies. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Yotaka oh, wait. wakes okay, up. So I actually have a lot okay. to say about this before we move oh. on. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Because I actually, okay, so I like Mazari. Apparently, I'm Mazari's number one fan. And so I just want to talk about this. This is the best he's been, I will say. Right? I think he's cool. So uh, when I was reading this, I don't know that she actually looks horrified. I think she's kind of cool with what he's about to do because in the next chapter, she looks fine with it. But here she looks kind of, I don't know, afraid? I, I thought she looked kind of horrified. Which led me down to this rabbit hole. So I don't know because with the next chapter, she looks fine with it. So like maybe this is all moot. But so I think that Mazari's role is to show that vengeance and bloodshed will have a ripple effect that you have no control over. Um, so like Yuhan committed atrocities years ago and now Koka and Shing are on the brink of war. Um, something that we don't know yet happened with Eel and Yuhan that led to Suwan killing Eel. And Kai keeps, you know, trying to take back land that they think Koka stole from them. Uh, And now Corinne is ready to sit down and talk through things peacefully with Koka. But that doesn't mean that the things that she set in motion when she was out for revenge have stopped. Negro is still dead and Mizari is still uncontrollable. Mm -hmm. I feel like he plays into part of this, like, overreaching theme of vengeance having terrible ripple effects that you just can't control and you you can't know how they're going to turn out until they turn out and then they're all awful yeah Uh, so yeah he's the other side of that instead of dying or you know being wounded or whatever he is the the like bloodthirsty excuse me, bloodthirsty aspect of it to be like, oh, mm-hmm. violence just begets violence and it's never going to end. It's all cyclical and awful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Yotaka wakes up in the Wind Tribe camp. He is the epitome of poor little Meow Meow here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he really is. But he I will keeps... say this is the most likable he's ever been. Gotcha. Yeah, I know. Keeps... I know you like him, but like personally, for someone who does not like him, I think this is a good <laughs> section for him. Oh, there you go. I feel that way about Mazari this way at this point, and you feel that way about Yotaka. Damn, it's a good chapter. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he just keeps trying to play it, you know, scary and dignified, uh, even though he's near death, and so he's still questioning Taewoo Te- and you know the Wind Tribe's motives. Uh, and it's hilarious to watch him try to march out all 
all of the tent or march out of the tent, excuse me, and then immediately fall on his face. <laughs> uh, and then come Ayame and the girls, and they're just like, "Oh, here's that weirdo uh, that you were yeah, talking one about." One of them says that his hair is so fluffy; she wants to make a scarf of it. And I was like, "God, that is relatable." <laughs> Like, Yotaka's yeah. hair kind of creeps me out. Like, it's a little too perfect. But, like, if I saw somebody with really nice hair or, like, something, I would say something that weird. <laughs> like, no, it's like, I feel it. Um, K- uh, Casey, our, my friend Casey, or our friend Casey, still brings up the time that we were having a work lunch and the waitress said that she wanted to scalp me and wear my hair as a wig. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's insane. <laughs> yeah, like, weird compliment, but thank you. <laughs> Very weird compliment. I thought you were going to say Casey's cute aggression thing. And I was like, that's exactly well, what I thought of. But you Well, know. Casey does have that. Yeah. She she does refer to me as her alpaca. Uh, <laughs> but Okay, um, yes. Just quickly to explain, cute aggression is like when you see something so cute, you're like, oh, I just want to like squeeze it really hard. <laughs> like you get yeah. aggressive about it. And Casey it. gets it really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it's like, I, I can sympathize here. Um <laughs> So sorry, somebody told you they wanted to scalp you. That's oh my god, (laughs) (laughs) wild. Uh, um, so yeah, they start cooing over his hair. Um, and uh, anyway, and he's worried because he's basically like, Are they gonna take my hair to punish me? Like, he's still in this like hyper paranoid state. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then one of the women suggests like getting a hair oil to replenish his mane, and he instantly perks up. Uh, I think one of them's like, oh, that got his attention. But before we can really dive into that surprise, Suwon and company have arrived. Hell yeah, the king has arrived. In chapter. Yeah, what a good end. Yeah. So any final thoughts before we move into the next one? No, just that I like Suwon. He doesn't do much here, but you know. I'm into it. <laughs> He's looking good in his uh, army regalia again. He does. He looks very pretty when he's all mm-hmm. decked out. Yes. To Yotaka's chagrin as we get here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this chapter is 148, Oh Light, Don't Go Out. Which, I, by the way, it always cracks me up how varied the titles are. Because the last one was just a single word, Awe. Yeah. And then this one's like poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up poetry. Yeah. Yeah fantastic um so anyway yotaka is trying to comprehend that yuhan's son is actually near um and thinking that his peers and his liege might be dead uh yotaka thinks that his existence has become meaningless but nevertheless he tries to lope off back to shing i will say that i know that this is a serious moment and this is very like emotionally fraught for him and it's not a funny line but my existence is meaningless i read that and i was like oh mood his dramatic ass is like really winning me over right now well yeah because it's like he is melodramatic but he does have legit reason at this point but yeah he's just always his histrionics like (laughs) exactly like he's not being dramatic because it's real and he really thinks that yuhan's son is this like devil monster that's going to yeah with no remorse but also because we know suan it just seems a little dramatic yeah uh 
Meanwhile, the bitch known as Kishuk is surveying the area and not seeing any signs of, you know, the biggest thorn in his side, Yona. Mm-hmm. And um, you know how he doesn't see Yona? Through very greasy bangs. They're just like in clumps over his eye. They're so gross. He's gross. Wash your hair. <laughs> Go <sighs> jump in a river, dude. <laughs> <laughs> So Suwan asks Taewoo for a report um, as Taewoo contemplates, you know, what's safe to say. Because mm-hmm. uh, he's still more loyal to Hawk and Yona. And he's like, okay, what am I allowed to, like, give out? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he does reveal that there's a bit of an internal dispute with um, Shing. And Canny Suwan, of course, already has a bead on it. And he's like, oh, the anti and pro-war factions are, you know, escalating. Yeah, in their conflict. Um, so Suwan's soldiers then capture Yotaka, assuming God he did not make it far at all. Uh, <laughs> assuming that Yotaka might be a spy, and Yotaka, who continues to be super dramatic and have no self-preservation post nearly fatal stab wound, uh, mm-hmm. starts talking about how he's always wanted to kill Suwan and how he's mad that Suwan's not ugly. <laughs> fucking loved that i basically <laughs> love everything about this scene but yeah i love that he's like god damn it you're not ugly enough <laughs> so good it like really fits his character to be stupid brave and also like really focused on looks yes and he's just like gosh it's like he's like what if he tries to kill our king and he's like yeah i wanted to kill your king for literal years yeah like you <laughs> oh yes yeah i love that while this is going on Tayu's like tayu sorry uh is like you're all fucking stupid this isn't happening well not you're all he basically tells you to talk of this and meanwhile suwan in the background is just like very chill and he's like tayu you're doing such a good job and tayu's like fuck off and your talk is like i will kill you like this is such a funny (laughs) setup to me yeah, I love gosh. everything about this. I love how harmless Yotaka is to everybody, which makes sense because he's super injured. But like, yeah, yeah, even as he like scrambles out of the tent and like Taylor's like, you've been stabbed, but okay. And then the girl's finding it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, um, do you remember that post on Tumblr that's like a really tiny kitten on on its back, like clawing at the yeah. <laughs> at the um at the air and it's like um no pets only murder or something like that yes that's That's what your taco feels like to me in these chapters yeah and it's really funny um so obviously the soldiers want to take out or suan's soldiers uh want to take out um yotaka and taewoo takes issue with this because this is someone he's nursed back to health so the bitch known as Kishuk, who's always about the drama, starts low-key accusing Taewoo of treason. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taewoo affirms that, you know, it's about morals, and they're not going to bring harm to someone or be a part of bringing harm to someone that they just spent time healing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Suwon lets the issue go, because since they're holding peace talks, he doesn't want to kill Xing citizens at this time. Uh 
And of course, the summit is news to Yotaka, who Suwan then dispatches to go inform whoever's in charge because there is a civil war going on uh, <laughs> of their arrival. And I love he's like, look, if it's not Karen, fine. Like, just go tell somebody <laughs> like, right, that I'm here. Right. Anybody will do. Just like, let's get this over with. <laughs> yeah. And Yotaka is shocked that Suwan is not this demon spawn that he's built in his head. Uh, and he's surprised that he's not going to be beheaded because Suwan's like, yeah, I'm not wasteful. Like, just go. I love that line. <laughs> I see no reason to keep you here or behead you. I prefer not to be wasteful. Like, yeah. Suwan, <laughs> this man is terrified of you. You're in the middle of war and you're just like so flippant. Yeah. It delighted me. Yeah. Uh, so Taewoo promises to see that Yotaka makes it to Shing and off they go. And Yotaka continues to wonder at Taewoo's kindness and Taewoo affirms that he's finishing the job of taking care of him. So it's just like, sorry, dude, you've low-key been adopted. Like, they nursed <laughs> you back to health. They treated you like a little kitten. They're basically attached now. So uh, they, Yeah, they really did. They took in a little kitten and they were like, oh. You can't take care yes, of yourself. Like, Let me brush you. One thing you, yes, one thing you need to know about the Wind Tribe, Yotaka, is they're all about <laughs> taking in strays. Like, yeah, that's why they're the best. Oh, I love them. Yes. So they meet back up with the pro-war faction. The general I thought might have died in that one confusing scene is in fact mm-hmm. alive. Uh, I love that neither yeah. of us remember this because he does not matter. <laughs> yeah. So Yotaka can't believe that um, this general, they, they name him, but I've already forgotten again. I'm sorry, dude. Um, it like it's Rad- like Nim something. Nim- <laughs> uh, oh, God. We're, who knows? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Okay, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Yotaka can't believe that they let the anti-war faction get the best of them. Uh, so he's going to go off and get ready to go fix things. And then he stops and takes time to really sincerely thank Tewu to Tewu's genuine shock. And then Tewu tells Yotaka, say hi to Vold for me. And Yotaka continues the, I don't know her shtick. <laughs> we were so just, good. we were just talking about this blatant lies is always a funny trope. Oh my God. Uh, it so, never yeah. fails to make me laugh. Yeah, so him just continuing to be like, I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> uh, and then Taewoo's equally amused. And, you know, Yotaka's looking at that smile. And it makes him realize that he and Naguro, who he's internally speaking to, should have learned more sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really him facing what being pro-war has brought in a similar way that Karen had to. Uh, because he's seeing that what they've done has just paved the way for to destruction, carrying hatred for an entire nation that isn't actually evil. And now it doesn't seem like he has anything left of what he's built because Corinne is probably dead. But hey, the general tells him that it's no time to die. And they look ahead and see Corinne being protected by the other three stars. And this reinvigorates Yotaka because this one thing, the most important thing even, staying by Karen's side like he and a girl promise, is still possible. And he's going to give it all he's got. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, Yotaka dives into the fray and he gets, you know, back to, he and Mazari get this back-to-back badass, badasses moment and he tells Mazari that he's done well and Mazari is stunned because he's never been praised by Yotaka before. <laughs> so sad. I mean, like, yeah. I get it because Mazari's a lot, but also, like, if they had just shaped his, like, clay person a little bit more, yes. maybe would have been okay. Again, all these, uh, the road they went down. Uh, and, you know, Volds has high, but Yotaka still is like, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it to his face. He's to like, his face. don't talk to me. Yes. <laughs> uh, Yot- <laughs> it's the best. Uh, Yotaka then tells Corinne that Suwan has arrived and promises that however she wants to proceed, he'll follow. And then Gobi and his minions continue to be roadblocks, uh, but Corinne just goes forward. Uh, Despite her hatred, which she says is still smoldering, she refuses to let Gobi, of all people, win. Uh, Which (laughs) Which is is fair. Yeah, so she takes up her sword. She gives Yona back her bow and tells her to protect herself and, you know, says, you know, thank you for helping my people. Mm -hmm. Uh, She tasks Vold and Algira with protecting Tao. And then she orders Yotaka and Mizari by her side because they're about to clear a bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but cowardly Gobi immediately starts to run. Uh, he even throws an innocent woman in the way as a human shield. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's truly despicable. Uh, and then one of Gobi's ninjas slashes Corinne in the back. Yona is stunned slash horrified. And end of chapter. Yeah. Okay, uh, a couple of things. One, when they hear from Yotaka that Suan is waiting at the border, Hawk looks incredible, and I don't know that he ever looks as good before or <laughs> after this moment. I think this is his best look ever. Like, he looks great. Um, and also, speaking of looking good, this is where I had the lesbian comment, because when... Corinne picks up her sword and she like holds it in front of her. Like she oh, looks yeah. so fucking good. And says, follow me. Oh no, when it's directly mm-hmm. in front of her. Yeah, yeah, when it's directly in front of her. But then like everything after that too is amazing where she's just like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna cut a bitch. I'm gonna like mow down these people so that I can do what I'm gonna do because I'm gonna get shit done. Yeah, she's great. I get it. Yeah. Get oh, also, uh, Yona and Yoon each have Shinan Zeno like cradled to their chest. Yeah, very sure sweet. <laughs> they can't do anything, but they're just like there for them. I I love moments like that where it's like you're not doing anything, but you're like providing this physical comfort. I, it always makes me yes. And it's also nice post what just happened with the dragons too that they are being treated with because they were being yanked at and pulled yeah. and being treated as subhuman. So the fact that they are back in the arms of people who care about them is extra satisfying. That's true. And they, they are being cradled very gently by Yona and Yoon. And I just thought back to Hawk saving Jiha and Gija, where he threw them over his shoulder like bags of rice. Yeah. <laughs> like he cares in his own way, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah. Again, mm. that, that meme, um, Robert Downey Jr. cradling his child and Chris Hemsworth, uh, holding his by the ankle <laughs> absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah good shit 
Uh, any final thoughts beyond no, that? Those are my final thoughts. Good stuff. All right. We get more Sue on next week, I think. I'm excited. We might Very get some nice. side eyes. It'll be fun. Yeah. Um, so did you have a question or a trope that you wanted to share then? We haven't done a question in a while. We could do the question this week. Do you want to? Okay. So, um, would you rather join the pirates, the five stars, or the five generals as we know them currently? Assuming the pirates didn't disband and assuming the fact that we are not qualified for anything so we're going to ignore that just like based okay. on vibes and feelings what would you want uh probably the pirates i think yeah. they're the most i guess free i guess you could say i mean i don't think their their obligations i guess you could say are as rigid mm-hmm. um and that's their whole thing is being free. Uh, I think it would just also it would just be so much pr- like it's different when you're kind of like a vigilante group. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're actually like in a government pr- position. Like yeah. there are just such. Such like responsibilities that I just would not want to deal with like all that political shit the <laughs> pirates like the red tape out. waving a pirate yes like my god I don't want to deal with that um, not with the five generals and certainly not with the five stars because the five stars are a fucking mess but uh, yeah so I'm going to go with the pirates yeah that's what fair. about you no you make a good argument and it does make sense like with the pirates there there is less pressure because there are more of them too yes so you can like let other people take care of things ah that's actually a hard question because yeah you're right okay so between the other two we have politics but with the stars they don't really have anything to do other than like fight and obey corinne but the generals actually have like entire tribes under them that they have to control yeah I kind of want none of these jobs. I don't know why I came up with this question. <laughs> I wouldn't want any of these. Um, but I guess I'd go with the five generals, maybe. Really? One of them. I'd be one of them. It seems like an okay job. Like, you really only have to show up <laughs> when, there's, when there's war, which I guess happens more often than not. But for the most part, you're just going to get to hang out with your people. And you get to live yeah. in a pretty... Yeah, pretty fancy place i think most people live yes. pretty well i don't know that we've seen the wind tribe one i guess we did a little bit we saw a little bit of the interior but i know suko mm-hmm. palace and chishin palace are really nice mm-hmm. and the fire tribe one which Sorry, Tejun, I don't remember where you live. <laughs> but that one's also yeah. really nice. I think Wind Tribe is the only one that's kind of like just okay. Um, that's fantastic. Yeah, Which okay, reminds- so that's, that's my pick. I think I'd be a general, um, I guess. Which reminds me, uh, Alex and I were coming up with, so I was, um, uh, I sent her a a TikTok or something of a couple from Bachelor in Paradise. Anybody who's familiar mm-hmm. with the Bachelor franchise, it was Ashley I and Jared Haven, um, 
are one of the more like famous slash infamous couplings. <laughs> uh, and so Ashley had done uh, a video of herself to Taylor Swift's mastermind and had basically captioned it like me thinking of how like my crazy ass actually wound up with Jared. And I sent it to Alex forgetting that she didn't have the context of Ashley and Jared. Mm-hmm. Um but then they had, I had sent her, I was like, oh, this is some context. They had made a, another video where they were going through Paradise, which is uh, Bachelor in Paradise, which is basically how they met. They did not actually end up together on Bachelor in Paradise. And like the two seasons they were in together, even, they went through two rounds. Both times did not come out. So it was basically like them going through Paradise and him being like, oh, we have lots of memories. And she's like, yes, this is where you broke up with me. This is where you broke up with me again. This is when you said we were never going to be together. And then him being like, uh, <laughs> We have a, I we have a child, <laughs> which was the and I was that was like a good like end to that joke, not really knowing their history. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and then I was like, and I sent it to her also because I was like, not only context, but this is giving me strong Suwan Lily vibes. And Alex was like, absolutely. And then Alex Loki started crafting like things were never gonna get right. Again, let, let's add that to the pile of Yona Fix will never write. <laughs> but if anybody wants to take out the mantle, Bachelor in Paradise with the Yona characters. Yes. And I was reminded of this because you mentioned Tejun, and I was like, oh my God, Tejun on the beach. <laughs> this disaster. <laughs> That's right. I forgot we mentioned that. We mentioned yeah. June on the beach, which is very funny if you've ever watched even a minute of Bachelor in Paradise. Yes. Oh, my God. Here we go. Okay. So this is what she said because I really liked uh, I, I liked your uh, imagining of that relationship as Lily and Suan. And she wrote, this is where you stage a coup against my best friend. This is the library you kicked me out of. This is where. And then it cuts off. And you have Suan going, Lily, we are married. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good it delighted me <laughs> yeah uh, so, so yeah a uh, bachelor or a bachelor in paradise au anybody is welcome to draw or write it because we would be delighted by it yes we had determined that suwan would have broken fan favorite yona's heart mm-hmm the boy, you know, the dragons would be up on the beach too. Geisha's the character who's because you you've got the like fuck boys that are just there to have a good time, and then you have the like super intense like marriage oriented ones. Although maybe he wouldn't because Granny wanted him to get married so bad. But I at the very least I think he'd be into a committed relationship. I don't think he'd be down just to like smash. Yeah. I think wasn't there a big throwaway joke that women would throw themselves at him? Yeah. So I think he's actually kind of looking afraid of hooking up. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. He was kind of against like Granny setting him up. But I don't know if that, I don't know what part of that he was against. I always felt like it was just the like hookup part of it. Yeah. I do think he would be against going to the boom boom room, <laughs> which they have on Bachelor. It's the room that they have where you can actually fuck in Bachelor Paradise. <laughs> uh so yeah i can just jiha's trying to get everybody to go into the boom boom room with him yep uh and he's just like i want none of this yeah (laughs) i thought it would also be cute okay so final note 
is that Hawk is um, the bartender on the beach. So he's not actually part of it, uh, which makes sense as like he's the bodyguard. So he's not really part of any group or, you know, the like classic love interest. But Mm. she picks him anyway. (laughs) Gotcha. Or you could alternatively. So one of the things about Bachelor in Paradise is they send people down on the beach every day. So, like, you don't always, so, like, and then, like, one week the guys will give the roses and the next week it'll be the girls. Um, And so it's really unfortunate for the people who show up at the end because at that point everyone is pretty damn coupled up. Mm -hmm. So normally by the last point the people that are getting sent to the beach are just immediately sent home. (laughs) So I also like the idea of him just showing up on the last day and being like, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> and then Yona, who's been, I don't know, in some sort of friendly relationship all this time, suddenly gives her a stock. <laughs> okay. Okay, so in my imagining, uh, Lily and Suwan are on the beach. And things are awkward because Yona's there, obviously. Uh, but then they decide, like, I don't know, they both don't hate each other and they kind of just want a vacation. But they also don't want to be, like bugged by other people because either of them are really interested in a relationship so they like have this agreement where they'll pick each other so they could just stay uh you know on a vacation but i do also (laughs) given the idea that hawk shows up at the very end like the idea of yona doing that instead and her having a relationship with like i don't know Zeno or sheena or something and then just like broing out whole time yeah and keeping them away keeping like jiha away from yona yeah yeah and there can be two fake relationships it does there's always multiple two fake relationships it's too many oh no bachelor except of course they don't think lily and suan would hide it i'm sure lily would admit it immediately she's like i do not like this bitch <laughs> to the talking heads. He has a tofu face. <laughs> he has a tofu face. Oh, then, that's right. I wanted Gente to be the host because Lily would show up and be like, God damn it, I can't get with the host. This is against the rules. Well then what's the point? They've also started this thing where like I think they're called cryons, but it's like the description of the contestant um whenever they have their talking heads and like typically it's like their profession there's a lot of entrepreneurs because people be unemployed uh (laughs) but the cryons at least for the bachelor in paradise iteration they get creative with and they'll be having fun with so i can now see after lily's talking head suan's cryon being like suan 24 has a tofu face (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) every Every new insult Lily gives is his new crown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so delighted by this. Uh, somebody make it happen for us. Because we love it. We just don't want to write it. I know. I have too many things to write. But that's all I had. Uh, I think that helped us pad up our, our shorty episode yeah. a little bit. So thank you for indulging me. And fanfic ideas. Uh, Do you want to go ahead and take us out? I can. Uh, Okay, so we are on Gmail and Twitter at the Yonapod and Tumblr at the Yonapodcast. And then over on Twitter, Evangelina and I have 
personal Twitters. I'm instead of writing without the A, and Evan is witchy Evan, who should update that for the holidays. Um, I know you won't, but... I know I was glitchy Evan and then I was witchy Evan for Halloween. And I was like, then I can be witchy Evan for all year. But now I'm kind of wondering what I can be, what Evan I can be. I know. I'm I'm wondering what uh, Christmas theme Evan should be. Yeah. I guess you guys can be a witch all year round. But if anybody has any ideas, send them to our socials. <laughs> send them uh, and then follow her for whatever she decides to be in November <laughs> and December. And... Then we will see you next week for more uh, <laughs> more Shing, more Suan. I have no idea when Shing's going to end. I feel like we've been here forever and I'm not upset about it, but we Shing is long. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. So then we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.